This is The Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership, hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success. This is The Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our personal and professional lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. The guys from the Fit Mess podcast are Zach and Jeremy, and they call their podcast the show for people who are sick of their own shit and ready to make a change. We're going to have a very interesting conversation with one of the members of the Fit Mess show in a moment. But first, I know you know that I always want to pass along anything I think could be helpful in your creative life. So I have skills to learn for creative job security because technology is always changing. And these tips are from the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, as they're called. First, tech skills. Now we have AI, which some have compared to the discovery of fire or electricity. So big changes coming with this technology. Take a short course now on AI. You can find these online through Coursera or many other platforms. It's estimated 22% of the current jobs will be automated by 2030 and 90% of online content will be generated at least in part by AI by 2025. It's just around the corner. You need to get on board with some basic understanding and skills. You also need persuasive and communication skills, sometimes called soft skills. Now we interface with so much technology already, but it's humans working that technology. So your ability to self-manage, manage up, peer manage, it's crucial. And if you have a job where you're working alone a lot, maybe working from home, that emotional maturity to stay on task will really bode well for job security because you don't have to be micromanaged. Your critical thinking skills will make you super valuable to an employer or a manager. Strategic thinking, analysis, problem solving. And finally, on the other end, your manageability skills. Can you take direction? Can you take critique? Do you listen? Are you curious? And can you implement your own or your leader's vision? A lot of people worried about how technical changes will drive job security or job insecurity in the future, but take a moment to do a little self-assessment and think, do I have everything I need to uh, you know, handle the next 10 years of changes coming up in my career? Now, the goal of the Fit Mess podcast is to take small steps every week toward a better, more fulfilling life. The interview style podcast shares stories and strategies from authors, coaches, celebrities, and experts who've learned how to discover their full potential. Zach and Jeremy are the hosts. Now, Zach had a family emergency on the day we were to do the interview. Understandable. It happens. But Jeremy, Jeremy and I had a great conversation. Jeremy is a father of two young girls. He lives in rural British Columbia. He's been in the broadcasting and podcasting business for about two decades, and he is a certified REBT mindset life coach. We talk about what people are seeking in their personal and emotional fitness, tips he's gleaned from the hundreds of experts that they've talked to with the Fit Mess podcast, and then his own journey as a man moving through middle age in this crazy world. Enjoy. Jeremy Grader joins me now from the FitMess podcast. Thank you so much for for chatting. Uh, I know that you know one of you is in New York, and then your partner Zach. Uh, you know, one of you in Canada, one of you is in New York. How did you guys get together to produce this podcast? Yeah, we actually met in Seattle. Our our wives were pregnant at the same time, and they joined 
what was called a fit mom group. And uh, the goal was to participate in the triathlon. I believe it was something crazy, like six weeks after giving birth, uh, which they did successfully. And it was incredible to watch, but you know, we, we were the husbands, you know, of, of these wives on this journey, which meant, you know, there had to be brunches and things to, to bring us together. And, you know, we started initially by bonding over, you know, our love of things like star Wars and things like that. But, Ultimately, it was, you know, in the beginning, it was a lot of that sort of surface level conversation stuff. Like, what's, you know, did you watch the game the other night? You know, that, that sort of stuff. Uh, but over time, especially as our kids were born, you know, we were able to get a little more open, a little more vulnerable, just sharing sort of the struggle of being dads and taking care of ourselves and, and things like that. Uh, and, and ultimately, that's where the friendship was formed. It was That was in the Seattle area. And since then, he's moved to New York and I've moved up to British Columbia. Wow. Okay. The tagline for your show, which I love is when you're sick of your own shit and ready to make a change. So I want to know <laughs> when were you sick of your own shit and decided you needed a change? No, I'm, I'm pretty much every day. I think that's so qualified. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think the biggest catalyst was, uh, it really started with an injury. I, you know, as a new dad, I had, uh, you know, a dog that started barking early one morning when the grocery delivery person came and, you know, rang the bell at six in the morning. And like any dude, new dad, I jumped out of bed to try and shut the dog up before I woke up the baby. And when I did that, it was, I came down on my knee in a weird way and just collapsed. I couldn't put weight on it. I, was, I, I didn't know what I did, but I heard it. And uh, over the course of several weeks and several doctor's appointments, I uh, ended up in a physical therapist's office who said, you know, based on what happened here and, you know, your, your family's history with knee issues, if you don't get on a bike, you're probably going to end up replacing both of your knees. And that sounded insane. And, you know, I hadn't been on a bike since I was a kid. So I, I did what I always did and complained to my brother and was like, oh, this crazy doctor, I think I'm supposed to ride a bike. And he was just like, dude, all you have to do is become that weird guy that rides his bike to work every day. Just become a bike commuter. And, you know, I sort of did the math and I was like, well, yeah, it would take the, amount, the exact same amount of time on a bike as it does on the bus. It's, you know, probably less dangerous than the bus I'm currently riding. So why not? Let's give it a shot. And I did. Within about a week or so, I was on a bike and started the nine-mile ride to work every day. And what was amazing about it was not only you know did I physically start to feel better, but I was became so uh, incredibly aware of being present in the moment that I just wanted to find more ways to bring that into my daily life. Because I, in in that 45-minute ride, I wasn't worried about what did I do yesterday, what's going to happen at work today, or this, all these different stresses, these stories we tell ourselves all day long. It was all about can I survive the next block? You know, that sort of thing. And so uh, I, I just wanted to bring more of that into my life. And I ended up finding a therapist who taught me all about meditation and, and you know, just, just really coming back to now and not letting the stories that, and, and the thoughts that dominate our time throughout the day really do that. So I, I just really look for ways to, to try and become more present in the moment and, and focus less on, on the stress that I was, you know, bringing into my own life. I know you were a radio professional for many years. Uh, you've been doing the podcasting now for for a long time. Uh, is that what triggered this particular podcast, the Fit Mess podcast? The, the, the what was happening in your personal life with your discovery of, of of trying to be more mindful and bringing things into the present? That was kind of the end result, and I, I mostly blame Zach, who's not here with us today, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was doing a show for a long time with my brother and a friend of ours, and it was a very, very different show because I lived a very, very different lifestyle. It was largely, you know, us drinking a lot of beer and, you know, sharing ridiculous nonsense that happened in our lives. 
And, you know, as I started taking better care of myself and I wasn't drinking anymore, it became harder and harder to sort of play that character and to, to show up in that way. So uh, that show ended. And along the way, Zach had actually become a fan of it. He was listening to it. He thought it was very funny. And, you know, so as, as friends, you know, he would offer feedback and things like that. But ultimately, when that show came to, came to an end, shortly after, he came to me and said, you know, these conversations that you and I have where we're open, we're vulnerable, like we're learning from each other. We don't know of or hear other guys talking like this. Like, what if we turn this into a podcast? And I said, you're absolutely nuts. That's crazy. There's no way of doing that because, you know, I, I'm no expert. I don't have something on my wall that says I'm qualified to give people advice, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, but something about it did stick with me. I thought, you know, maybe there's something there. So I started researching the genre and, and I saw that, you know, a lot of self-help shows are, you know, just average people that were bringing in experts to share their expertise. They, they were sort of getting out of the way of the expert. And I thought, well, you know, with my years in radio, I could certainly do that. But I also saw the value in sharing the struggle and, and how hard it is to do these things. And that's something you don't see as much, certainly on social media. Everything looks easy. Everything looks polished. You know, everyone, you know, they hit the gym every day without fail and their nutrition's perfect and all these things. And we just wanted to shine a little bit more of a realistic light on it and just show that it is hard. It is a struggle. You do have to get out of your own way in order to accomplish a lot of these goals. So in the end, uh, he, he ended up being right. And we both have uh, been working on this now for, I think, what, five or six years, just trying to help other people that are at the beginning of this journey like we were years ago so that they feel a little bit less alone on this journey. Well, having listened to your podcast, I, I love that it does feel like a conversation over the back fence. I mean, it, it feels like you're bringing in experts, but then you two are there to kind of translate it and and make it feel more accessible to people by sharing your own struggles, which, which I think is a, a brilliant uh, concept. What do you think are some of the most valuable tips or advice that you receive from guests when it comes to mental wellness? I think the biggest thing that I have taken into my own life from this experience is really understanding that the obstacle really is the way like the, the hard things that we don't want to do, the things we try to avoid, the comfort we seek, like all like you, you, there, there really is so much to learn from the struggle. There's so much to learn from the hard things that we don't want to do. And, you know, I, I'm honestly, I'm in the middle of it right now. I, I battle with depression and that's part of my motivation to do this thing is to help people that are depressed to start trying to build habits, habits to get out of it. I've been in it now for a couple of days and yesterday I woke up. It just, it just was there. I woke up, it was there. And I know that often one of the ways I can move it is through exercise. And I hadn't been to the gym in a while because I'm dealing with some injuries. So I did, I forced myself to go to the gym, no matter, you know, no matter how bad I felt, i just wanted to go back and crawl into a dark room and, and hide. But I, I knew that wasn't going to be productive. So I went to the gym and it helped move it a little bit. And then I talked to some people and that helped move it a little bit. And then today I did the same thing. I didn't want to go to the gym, but I did because I know that that's, that's the end result is that it will help. And so I just, I, I, the more that I can wrap my head around and own the idea that the thing I don't want to do, the thing that is the hardest is probably the thing that's going to teach me the most and that I'm going to benefit the most from. That's probably the most valuable lesson I've learned in all the years of doing this show. Who are your listeners? Would you say it's mostly men, uh, men and women, men of a certain age? 
This is always a funny question because in our heads, we are talking to ourselves 10 years ago. Mm. We're talking to the guys that want to take better care of themselves. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They're afraid that their current friends are going to, you know, cast them aside, that sort of thing. And so that's who we talk to, but who we hear from are their wives and their girlfriends and their partners who say, God, I wish my husband would listen to this. I wish my boyfriend would listen to this. So, you know, podcasting is weird because you, it's really hard to get a, a realistic snapshot of actual listeners. You have to rely on a lot of kind of shaky data. But I do think it is probably mostly women, slightly slightly more, probably like a 60-40 split. Uh, and, and it's them, I, I think, trying to understand their partners and hopefully sharing with their partners what we're going through in order to help normalize it for them. I um I have two daughters ages 25 and 21. So I'm guessing that I'm a bit older than you and that your children are younger. But what is it about men of this generation that you think, um, you know, needs, um, needs encouragement? What about men of, of your generation that need encouragement? I think it's just what we... What, what, it, what initiated our show was just that vulnerability, that ability to ask for help, that ability to show pain and, you know, God forbid, cry, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we are taught, not, not necessarily by our parents, but just by, by the culture that we're in, that men are supposed to be you know, almost robotic, uh, stoic leaders that are just, you know, there to make money and, and move the family forward without ever really feeling anything. And certainly if they feel it, dear God, don't show anybody. So that's, that's what we're trying to help tear down is that, you know, and it's not even a matter of like masculine feminine qualities. It's, it's a matter of like human being qualities. It's, it's adding that, the, the ability to feel, the ability, the ability to process your feelings to the human experience so that it's not as difficult, so that it's not as stressful. And we just, we have found over and over again, the more vulnerable we are, the more that we show the scars and the more we show the struggle, the solutions and the help shows up rather than trying to sort it out and figure it out for ourselves. And so, you know, I, I always feel weird as a middle-aged white guy talking about the struggle of middle-aged white men, but, you know. Who would know it relevant. better? Who would and, know it better? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just, you know, because I know people have it worse than me. So I feel weird you know, acknowledging that I also have pain because I do have privilege that a lot of people don't, but the struggle is still relative. And so I just, I want, I I hope that guys that hear our show will take away from it, that it is okay to have those feelings, to share those feelings and to ask for help because that's usually the best way to get it. Yeah, you're right. It It all is relative. I mean, everyone has like got their own, their own struggle, their own things that they're dealing with. How do you think the pandemic has changed the idea of wellness for people? Well, I mean, definitely it, it put a big spotlight on uh, our immune system and, and taking better care of ourselves. I mean, I think everyone sort of read between the lines with, you know, underlying conditions and, and realized that, you know, poor food choices, poor lifestyle, like, you know, sitting at desks all day and then going home and watching TV all night. Like, you know, we, we realized we have to take better care of ourselves. I think that, I think that's a lesson that stuck with a lot of people. Uh, but I think maybe even more importantly was the light that it brought to what you want your life experience to be. I mean, that's this whole shift to working from home and, and having more of a work-life balance and, you know, demanding better pay, all these things that when we were forced to shift things and, and to not 
just continue on the hamster wheel, hoping that it was somehow going to move. It ultimately just shook up our entire lifestyle and made us realize, what do we actually want out of this life? You mentioned that I live in British Columbia. I lived in Seattle. I had been in a commercial radio job for 20 years, and I felt like it was toxic. I felt like it was damaging my health. My doctor agreed. And so when we were forced to go home and be with our family, it made me take stock of what's important to me. What do I really want out of this experience? And then when my wife lost her job, we were able to get really serious about let's literally rebuild our lives from the ground up. And so we looked at what that looked like and discovered that, you know, moving, leaving the town that we, you know, had lived in our entire lives or we owned a home where we knew everybody that was required for us to have what is, what has become an ideal situation, you know, a dream life in, in many ways. So, I think it's just it's just a perspective shift. It just made us all take stock of what we really want out of our lives. And when you start to build a life that you enjoy, you want to make sure you can stick around and enjoy it for as long as possible. And so that's where, you know, sort of the health and wellness stuff sort of kicks in. So many, I feel like that I've heard so many stories of people doing that. Like, you know, in the pandemic, you decide what really matters, or maybe you just lose jobs and you don't have a choice, but you chuck it all and go buy a farm in the middle of the country, or you leave yeah. the country, you take the family and leave the country and your life just heads off on this trajectory that you could have never foreseen, um, you know, had, had the pandemic or some, some kind of, um, you know, uh, earthquake had not happened like, like the pandemic. And I've heard that over and over. I mean, do you, uh, are you, are you glad it turned out that way? You like the way it turned out? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, of course, we miss the people that we lived around, our neighbors, our friends, our family that were all, you know, 10, 15 minutes away or a walk around the corner. Like that, that part's hard, especially when, you know, we moved to a town where we knew nobody. Like we, we are, you know, we, we're surrounded by mountains, but we're on an island. Like we don't, we didn't know anybody. And so we were starting over. Our kids were starting over. We, we had no friends, no connections of any kind. And so we've been spending the last couple of years building those. Uh, but compared to, you know, the, that commute every day to a job where my doctor every year when I went in for my physical, he said, did you quit that toxic job yet? To, you know, the hours in the car running from thing to thing for a kid, all the crazy after school, like, overscheduled lives, living in a house that we really couldn't afford and couldn't afford to maintain, like all these things that just felt like, well, this is just the experience. This is just what you do. And like I said, you're just on that hamster wheel and you just keep running thinking that somehow it's going to get somewhere, but it never really does. So now, I mean, I, I have basically my dream job. I work from home. I'm surrounded by nature. My kids are thriving. Like I, I could not have ever imagined that completely uprooting everything would have put me in such a better position than, you know, the idea of just work every day until you die, because that's the way you do it. What did it take to make that leap of faith? Because you'd been dealing with injuries, you'd been dealing with stress, you'd been dealing with depression, your wife loses her job, you're looking at the potential of leaving a city that you've known, where your kids have known. What kind of leap of faith did that take? What was that conversation like as you decided, this is what we're going to do? I mean, it sounds like a leap, and in a lot of ways it is, but it, it, the more I look back on it, it really was building a bridge like we decided that you know my wife had had the uh good fortune of having been born in canada like just coincidentally her parents were in canada when uh when she was born they, they weren't canadian citizens at all they just happened to be here 
So she had this Canadian birth certificate. And so that it had always kind of been the joke that, you know, one day we'll move to Canada. And I always sort of laughed it off. But, you know, when things started to change the way they did, and there were a lot of external factors and, you know, sort of global political factors that played into it, um, we started taking it a little more seriously. And then when she lost her job and the whole COVID experience happened, we, we took it even more seriously and started shopping around. Like, where could we mimic some of what we love about our current life, but do something totally different? And so we found this small town just across the border. And in the middle of the pandemic, when the border was closed, we crossed the border and came and lived here for a month to sort of test it out. And we drove all over the province, just trying to make sure, is this the right neighborhood for, for us? Is this what we want to do? And ultimately, we decided it was. Like, it, it was weird to go home and feel like we missed home. Like, mm-hmm. when, when we finally got back to Seattle, it's like, this doesn't feel right anymore. Like, we need, we need to go back there. And so the next six months was really a process of get the house on the market, figure out what we're going to do for work, figure out how, like, what do we need? Like, let's get lawyers involved. How do we get the immigration process going? And so it was, you know, six months of crying in my kid's room at, at night, worrying that I was making the wrong choice for them, worrying that I was making the wrong choice for our family, worrying that I was going to come back with my tail between my legs and have to restart my life where I left it. And once we did finally take the leap, it was crazy. My, my wife got a job the day we got here. Uh, I had built enough side business to leave my job and, you know, float us for a while up here. So it was a process of just taking it step by step, you know, brick by brick, but eventually the bridge was built that allowed us to get here. And it does sound like a crazy leap of faith, but, but it was a lot of planning and, and execution and bringing in the help that we needed to make sure that it was going to work out the right way. Well, thank you for telling me about that, because I think a lot of people wonder what it would take to do that. And and hearing the experience of someone who's actually done it, like completely changed their life 180 is is so valuable for people who are thinking or on the fence who are wondering. Um, so I just love that. I love that story. Getting back to your podcast, the um, the the area that I found most interesting, I want to go back and dig deeper into some of those episodes is the biohacking phase. So I, I, I told you, mm-hmm. I, I asked you what was the top tip you got in terms of mental wellness? What was the top tip or, or something interesting that you found out while discussing biohacking with these various experts? I mean, in terms of the, the actual hacks, right? Like the, the things that you can implement in your life, there's tons of different things you can try. They're not all going to work for everybody. Most of this stuff isn't going to work for everybody. It's a matter of finding the right ones that do. The two that I think have been the most interesting for me, one is cold therapy. Uh, you know, everyone talks about it now. It's become pretty well known, but it's just funny looking back on my life. Like I've always, I've always worn shorts year round. People thought I was weird. Like it's snowing out. <laughs> You're one shorts. of those. Okay. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Right. So I, I always just thought I'm an oddball, but as it turns out, I was actually taking really good care of my health all that time. <laughs> Um, but then to actually implement it as a practice, you know, now where I live, I intentionally live right by a Creek so I can go and just drop into the Creek whenever I want. I live by a lake. I can go get in the lake whenever I want, or when I'm not feeling quite so adventurous, I can just take a cold shower, but all of the health benefits in terms of not only inflammation and, and pain relief, but again, the resilience, the mental health, like standing there and facing that cold and, you know, setting a timer and I'm not getting out until, and then pushing that timer and pushing it and pushing it so that I can build the resilience to, uh, you know, expose myself to that stress and respond to it appropriately. Like that, that has been massively game changing for me. The other one that's been really curious and a little bit newer for me is uh, 
the idea of caffeine delay. Have you heard about this? No, this is interesting because that's, I mean, I do, a, I get up at 3 a.m. to do a four-hour okay, radio yeah. show. So that's the first thing I reach for in the morning. Of course. So, and, and I've been there. I, I know that pain. That, that is an early alarm clock. <laughs> yes. Um, so the, the idea was introduced to us by a guest that we had a few years ago. And she said that, you know, to put it very simply, the idea of delaying caffeine, not bringing coffee into your body for the first two hours after you wake up, allows your body to sort of naturally wake up on its own and sort of stabilize its energy level so that when you do finally have that caffeine, you don't get that same crash at like four or five in the afternoon. Mm. And that's, that was really appealing to me because I was doing, you know, afternoon drive radio and middle of the afternoon drive, I would start crashing. I, Let's go drink some more coffee, drink more coffee. And so that was sort of the cycle that I, uh, was on was, you know, coffee first thing in the morning and then all day long. And when I heard about the delay, I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm going to give that a try. And it worked for a while, but then all of a sudden I did start feeling the crash again and I couldn't really put my finger on why or what was going on. And then I finally brought in a coach earlier this year and I said, what's going on? Like, I, I don't eat terribly. I move my body pretty regularly. You know, I still just feel like garbage every morning. What am I doing wrong? And so he asked about caffeine. That was his first question. And he said, why don't you try this? Go back to having coffee first thing in the morning. Only have two cups, but cut it off then. Because what you're doing is you're drinking coffee all day to stay awake, and then your body's processing that caffeine all night. So you're not really getting that full restorative sleep that you need, and that's why you wake up feeling like garbage. And it was amazing. The, the minute I started doing that, I felt so much better. Like I, and, and part of the problem too, is I spent that first two hours of every day dreading life because I just wanted to get to that first cup of coffee. <laughs> and so when, when he sort of gave me the permission of like, yeah, dude, just get up, have that right away. Cause, cause it, it, like I said, these things don't work for everybody. Some people need it first thing in the morning to sort of kickstart the engine and get it running. Other people need the engine to run itself for a while before you add that, you know, that, that big boost. So I, like everything we talk about on our show, it's worth experimenting with to see what works better for you. Give it time. Like, you know, don't do it like one day and give up whichever way you go. But just the idea that our bodies all respond so differently to all these different things that we can do. It's just, it's, it's really exciting and fun to play with it and see, you know, what can I do to make sure that I don't feel, to either make sure I don't feel like garbage or to make sure I feel even better tomorrow. Isn't it amazing that we inhabit these bodies? I mean, and here we are in middle age and, uh, and, and we still are learning how to uh, feed them efficiently, give them caffeine when they need them and what it takes to get a good night's sleep. I'm still learning. I mean, and I, you know, part of it is I worked like an evening shift for the first 27 years of my career and now I'm on a morning shift. So that's different, but just, just still learning about your own bodies after this many years inhabiting them is interesting. Well, and we, I, I, I would argue that many of us don't even start that process until we're into our thirties and we start realizing that we're not invincible and the things we eat are having different effects on our bodies all of a sudden we start getting curious because we see changes based on our behavior and we think, Oh, how can I change that? How can I slow that down? How can I speed that up? Where when you're in your twenties, you know, your health is kind of the last thing on your mind because you're kind of invincible. Oh, I know. I, I get so envious of like coworkers in their twenties. They can go out to a concert all night and be fresh the next day. Right. <laughs> it I doesn't, know. doesn't work <laughs> for you anymore. Crazy. If that concert doesn't end by nine, I'm screwed. 
<laughs> no. Well, will there be seats? Can I sit there and just not have to jump around? That's right. okay. Good. As long right. as I'm up by nine. I'm no done. more mosh pits. <laughs> okay. So That's right. That's right. Uh, something I ask every single guest, I will ask you now, um, Tell me, what is a uh, tip, a ritual, a something you do to recharge your batteries? So your batteries are empty. What do you do to recharge? Man, that's a good question. Because uh, again, I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now. It just I, I'm battling a bit of depression right now, so I'm trying to get the battery charged. I find that movement helps in whatever way works for you. So if that means, you know, getting out and going for a walk in some fresh air, uh, you know, if, if you're a gym goer, do that. If yoga is your thing, like however you move, move your body. I think that is a big, a big way to kickstart it. Also, I mean, it's super un- unrelated or um, underrated and sort of over discussed, but water, most of us don't get enough. And so we reach for that coffee where in fact, if we just guzzled a bunch of water, you'll find that you suddenly are kind of awake and your body's, rejuvenated. Um, and those are a couple of like just really simple things that I would say, but again, it's, it's going to be different for everybody. And, and, you know, to sort of come back to one of the original lessons here is like, just experiment, just try things and, and track it. How does this affect me? How do I feel when I do this and try it again the next time that that, that feeling of being tired takes over, just, just sort of see what works for you. But, uh, you know, Movement is one one thing, drinking water. And then, of course, you know, again, the cold water, even if it's just splashing cold water on your face, there there is uh, there are studies that show that that like it's not only like, oh, that was cold and like, woken up, but like physically your body responds to it in a way that helps you wake up. So those are a few sort of simple tricks that you could try. Just curious, I, I, what about heat? I mean, I, I love Bikram yoga. It's what I'm going to do after we finish up this podcast. I've recently gotten into it, and the, I love the heat. Does that have the same properties as cold for health? There are tons of benefits to heat. I have not really explored them much myself because I hate the heat. Like, I, <laughs> it's not something I want to do. And it's funny, this is the second time that I've been asked about this this week, which makes me think this is one of those obstacles I need to face, right? Like, this is something I need to, to challenge myself with. But yeah, there's tons of research that shows that, that heat has similar benefits for sure. Right. Well, Jeremy, I'm sorry Zach couldn't join us today, but people can hear you together on the Fit Mess podcast. Uh, tell us where they can find you. Where's the best place to find you? The best place is whatever podcast player you're using right now to listen to this or at our website, thefitmess.com. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is a privilege. We we really appreciate the opportunity. Really enjoyed my conversation with Jeremy from the Fit Mess podcast. You can check them out at thefitmess.com or there are hundreds of podcast episodes on all things fitness, both for the mind and body. Find them where you find all of your podcasts. And if you're looking for a good source of regional news content, you can check out the podcast Straight Talk. I've launched this podcast along with my iHeartRadio co-anchor, Sam Shane. It's a daily podcast, and you can find it by downloading the iHeartRadio app. Do a search for KFBK Straight Talk. It'll pop right up. We play the most compelling audio from our daily four-hour radio show and then have more expanded conversation about the news of the day. Fans of our radio show can also check out our brand new gear store, which is shopcsnow.com. That's shopcs, stands for Christina and Sam, shopcsnow.com. We have some high-quality activewear, commuter accessories, and 
items of interest. Again, that's Shop CS Now. We're also on Instagram at Shop CS Now, where we post behind the scenes content from the show. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Christina Mendonca. Stay powerful. This has been the Power Profile with Christina Mendonca. Stay connected through MendoncaMedia.com.